worthy are you to <clears throat> take the scroll? And open the seals. For you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. So worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessings. And to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever. And all of God's people said, I apologize for that. It was a little... Uh, and that the internet's going to hear me blow my nose. (laughs) Stories are important. We tell stories because we, uh, we need to have a place that life is really hard. And I love the opening line from that song which said, which asked the question, do you feel the world is broken? It is. And because of the brokenness, we we have to make sense of it. And so we we tell stories we, that help us to navigate the brokenness and it places us in something that is grander than ourselves and has kind of a, a trajectory. So people get really caught up in nationalism or maybe your, your family history or um, a profession, uh, business. We place ourselves to find meaning. Because if there is anything that you are desperate for today, and it doesn't matter what you believe about God this morning, if you look at yourself in the mirror, you want meaning. And so we tell a story. We've been telling it every Sunday for 2,000 years. You have it in your hands. You have many copies of it in your home. You might be very, very familiar with everything that goes around this story, and yet we keep telling it because it fixes us. And it holds in its hand a promise not just to fix us, but everything around us. 
And the story starts in Jerusalem. Last Sunday, what we call the triumphal entry, Jesus enters into Jerusalem on on a donkey, um, which is the, the not the most prestigious way to enter uh, a city. He chooses a donkey because it's in keeping with prophecy, but also because it signals something. When Solomon, the great king, sometimes considered to be the wisest man ever to live, entered into, entered into Jerusalem on his coronation day, he too rode a donkey because his father David was a warrior and he rode a horse because horses are what you use. It's a weapon of war. It's like being on the tank, right? But the, Solomon rode the donkey because the donkey signaled peace. It signaled peace. And Jesus signals peace. And yet as this week transpired, as it it continued on, the story ceases its peaceful tone. It ceases its excitement. It ceases all of that. and, And clouds begin to overshadow everything. The next day, Monday, Jesus goes into the temple courts. It's okay, you can laugh at Lego Jesus. It made me laugh. Lighten the mood a second. And he flips over the tables and he drives out the money changers and he, he condemns this, this, this protest that he's enacting by himself. He condemns the action of the people who have circled around God and they have set up all kinds of barriers to keep people from God. He says, this house is to be a house of prayer for all nations because God is seeking to heal not just the Jewish people, but everyone. The next day he enters into the temple courts and he begins to argue with the leaders and confront them and and to call everyone who would listen to, to imagine for a moment to place themselves in the story for a moment and to say the kingdom of God, the rule of God that is coming and even beginning right now, what would it be like? And he's met with all sorts of opposition the next day. The next day, Judas, one of his closest friends, one of the twelve disciples, confers with the, the powers and principalities in Jerusalem at that time. And he receives a bribe so that he can betray Jesus. And as Jesus gathers around the table with his disciples to partake of the Passover feast. And if you remember with me, the Passover is about blood. They would slay the lamb and they would place the blood on the doorframe of the house in the the time of uh, the Exodus. And they did this because in our minds, when we hear blood, we think of death. When we hear blood, we think of um, gore, maybe horror movies, metal, whatever. Uh, we see that as a negative thing. And the way that they conceived of blood is blood is life. The life is in the blood. It's one of the oldest teachings in the Bible. And we understand that because if your body doesn't have any blood, you're not alive, right? So life is in the blood. And the blood of the lamb that was perfect was placed upon the door frames of the people of Israel so that as the angel of death came upon Egypt to judge the enemies of God, it would see the blood of the perfect lamb and it would see life and it would say, this belongs to God and Passover. 
And so when Jesus comes to the table and says, this is my body broken for you, this is my blood shed for you, and when you partake of it as you did this morning, you are marking yourself to say, angel of death, keep walking. And yet there's a heavy cloud over all of this. And as they travel to the Garden of Gethsemane and Judas goes off to find his, um, to find the people through whom he will betray Jesus, Jesus speaks to his disciples along the way and he says to them in John, the peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives it to you, So let not your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. How many of us could say that? My heart is not troubled, and I am not afraid. I mean, aren't we carrying so much? We're carrying so much, and we're all so afraid. There's one thing the news and social media have told me. It is that everyone is very afraid. We're very afraid. And Jesus tells these men around him who, who probably should know that he's going to die since he's told them like three times by this point. They still seem to miss that. But they know something's wrong. You ever had that feeling like something is off? It's not good. And Jesus, as he's walking with them, says, I am going, but I am leaving you peace. We sometimes forget this because we are so excited to fly away, O glory, that we forget that Jesus left us something now. My peace, my peace I leave with you. And so Jesus is led to the cross. Arrested, tried, beaten, scourged, Stripped naked, with a purple robe and a crown of thorns to demonstrate his kingliness. And upon the cross he is nailed in all of its brutality, as Paul talked about. Men on either side of him, one of whom is mocking him along with all of the people that are there. And even from the cross his glory burns. Anybody ever get bullied in school? Bullied maybe at work? Somebody ever make fun of you, make you feel small and stupid and meaningless? And in that moment were your words, Father, forgive them. (laughs) Thank you. No. From the cross upon which Jesus is dying... He sees Pharisees and Sadducees, his enemies, the people who are, who are excited because they have defeated Jesus. And Jesus from the cross says, forgive them because they know not what they do. That these people are so broken that they think they're doing the right thing. They're so blinded by sin that they think their hate is well-founded. And Jesus 
is able to see through it. Through his pain, through his suffering, through their anger and hate. And he is able to meet that with peace. It would be a powerful thing to be a person who could do that. It would be a powerful thing if you had a whole people, a whole church full of people who could see like that. And Jesus is dead. And a day goes by and some more time goes by and the next morning, this morning, earlier than many of us were awake, the women go to the tomb. And you can imagine maybe the journey, if you can place yourself in the story, maybe you've made the journey to the funeral home before and so you know, you know what it feels like, like Maybe they talked about what Jesus did. Maybe they were quiet. Maybe it was full of tears. Maybe there was so much shock at seeing Jesus tattered and bloody that there are no words. But they go to the tomb, and there they find the stone rolled away. And a brightness so bright that it blinds their eyes. And they have to shield them. And the voice from the angel there says, Why do you seek the living among the dead? And that has to be the greatest line in any story ever told. And you can imagine the mix of terror. I haven't met an angel, but I... Read that they're scary. And, and the confusion and the excitement and the hope and the confusion because it's empty. Where is Jesus? In fact, one of the stories tells, tells of Mary just weeping in the garden because she still can't get her mind around it. And even when she meets Jesus, she doesn't recognize him. And the, the two on the road to Emmaus meet Jesus and they don't recognize him. And there's just all of this what, what is transpiring? And I love the way in which God messes with us. You ever feel like God messes with you? Like, let's be honest. God messes with us all the time. I like to say God is the God of last-minute rescues because these encounters happen in the morning, but it isn't until evening that Jesus appears before them all. What is he doing? Like, does he stop off at, like, the Denny's brunch or something? I mean, what, what was he doing during that time? And what were those poor disciples? Because, of course, the women bring the word back to the disciples, and John and Peter race to the tomb, and the angel's not there, but the tomb is empty, and so they're all, I mean, you can imagine the questions, and what did he say again? And are you sure it was an angel? I mean, you didn't sleep much last night. And then Jesus appears in their midst. The evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors were locked 
where the disciples were for fear. For fear. And Jesus came and stood among them, which is not enough detail for me. Like, you could have expounded on that a little bit, John. Like, how does that, but that's, stood among them and said, guess what? Peace. Peace. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. I like, I like this picture a lot. Paul wasn't so sure. <laughs> but I outrank him. I like it. Because sometimes we forget. And we think Jesus was a ghost or something. But Jesus was raised from the dead. There was no body. Because God resurrects the dead. And so they could touch the scars in his hands. And they could touch the hole in his side. And I take something, this is, this is Jordan here, right? So just let me say something. I take this to be emblematic of my own resurrection and your own resurrection. Because we carry scars. We carry scars. Jesus, into the resurrection, carried his scars. But they didn't hurt anymore. Peace be with you, he says as he enters. And as they touch his hands, and as they touch his side, and as they must have peppered him with questions... Jesus stops them again and says, peace be with you. Just in case you weren't paying attention. Because sometimes, a few of you, I mean, you all look so lovely today. I'm sure this is not speaking of you. But sometimes we're a little hard-headed. And we don't listen to the words and take them in. In fact, one of the most important things about a story is that after you've told it, we feel this nagging need for somebody to interpret the story for us. That was a lovely story. What does it mean? Because no matter what, we are desperate for meaning. Desperate for meaning. And there's lots of books to try to give it meaning. I've got a few of them. But John tells us what he's after. And it isn't what many people think about. But I want to share it with you. In verse 30 of the Gospel of John, John summarizes, he he tells us. He says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe. That Jesus is the Christ. And not just the Christ, but God. And that by believing, you too may live. And not just live, like wake up and go about your jobs and 
continue on in your life, but live with purpose. Live with peace. Live as a person whose heart is not troubled and who, unlike everyone else around us, is not crippled and driven by fear and outrage. But a people who are at peace. If I can leave you with one thing today, it would be this. Jesus came to bring you peace. And he holds it in his hands. And the only thing you have to do is accept it. So, let me tell you three things that Jesus wants to give you in terms of that peace. And the first is this, peace with God. Peace with God. Because the bad news is that we are enemies of God. The bad news is that we are terrible people. The bad news is that you don't have to teach those beautiful little uh, well-dressed and bathed girls in their Sunday dresses how to be bad. They got that down. We've got that down. We don't need any help. Being good is so much more difficult. We should tell us, no matter what you believe about God today, that when the Bible says that there is sin in the world, when we confess the world is broken, all people, gods or not, can say amen. And if you can say that, I know that no matter what you believe about God today, this is also true. Do you want to see it healed? We do. We do. God has offered to make peace with you, not simply, not by making you come to him, but as we read this morning, by leaving the throne and coming to find you. And if you feel it burn in your heart today, God is seeking you. Don't hide yourself from him. But experience the fullness of the power of resurrection. Because resurrection is not just about what God will do at the end of the age, but about today living a new life And how many of us want a new start? I've been a Christian for years. I was praying this morning, God, give me a new start. How many times have I needed the slate wiped clean? And through Jesus, it is done. Not just peace with God, though. Jesus has brought together a people A people who have been ransomed by the blood of the Son, by the power of his resurrection, that we might be a kingdom of priests to our God, that we might be a people who have peace with others. One of the things that Jesus says over and over again in the Gospel of John, I'm leaving my peace with you, and I'm commanding you a new commandment, and that is love one another. And from the cross, From the cross, Jesus demonstrates this love and says to his enemies, God, forgive them. Oh, that we could be a people. A people who are the first to say, I'm sorry, who are the first to say, I am forgiven, 
and who are the first to think the best about the other and who are the first to seek to reach out to our enemies. Oh, that we could be a people of peace. And peace with ourselves. This is something I've been wrestling with. One of the things that I've talked to a lot of people over the years, and one of the things that I notice about people is these two things often flow when this thing gets fixed. So last night, I'm giving Emery a bath. It was a long day. And I was grumpy. Parents, right? Don't, don't come down on me too harshly. Uh, and we're doing bath time, and Emery is getting a little too big for the bathtub. She's in that almost eight. She's almost eight now, and so... Her movements cause splashes, and splashes get the tub wet, and the floor wet, and everything's wet. And I come in to uh, wash her hair out, and I get down on my knees by the tub, and my knees are wet. And I'm just so mad about my wet knees. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean it's, it's one of those things where you look back on yourself, and you're like, I just, what, I But I was so mad about my wet knees. And so I lashed out at her. And I said something akin to, um, you know, life is hard enough. Why are you making my life harder? Which is what kids do. But we don't need to tell them that. And she got silent and just looked ahead. And I just uh, cussed at myself. Because enough of that will begin to make her think that she is a problem in my life when she is a joy in my life. And one of the true things about people is that if you meet the world with outrage in a fist, as many of you as I see are, It is not because the world is broken. It is because you are broken. And if you are angry, if you are angry, God can heal that too. And if you can find peace there with yourself and there with God, it will flow out to others. And you can be the kind of person who isn't angry with wet knees. Because the brokenness of the world is all around us. It's, it's in us. The Bible talks about this word sin and it's big. It's so big. And it's eating us alive. And left to ourselves, we get what we see. But we have not been left to ourselves. We have a Savior. A savior. We have God who put on flesh and walked amongst us and took our sorrows and our sins, took our abuse, who took our death and carried it. But it was not strong enough to hold him. 
And so, he is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. The Bible, as Paul reflects upon this, says that once you have been transformed, once you have met the peace of Christ, once the words that Christ has spoken over us, once God has, has come in and transformed all of this, we no longer see the world the way we used to see it. In fact, Paul does some, some clever little turns of Greek, which I won't bore you with, but it says, if anyone is in Christ, there is new creation. Not just you, there is new creation. That everything around you has now shifted and changed, even though nothing around you has shifted and changed. Does that make sense? But because of what God has done to you, and what God has done to the church around you, what you see in this cloud of witnesses present here today and throughout the thousands and thousands of years of faithfulness, the faithfulness you hold in your hand, you can look at the world and say, wow, it's new. You can go to the same crappy job tomorrow and it is now a joy that everything, everything becomes new because peace, peace transforms us and the words that Jesus said that he left peace with us so that our hearts could not be troubled and that fear would not rule us these are not platitudes these are the things that save our lives and if you're hungry for it it's here for you too the old has passed away Behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. He made peace with us. And he gave us the job of making peace with others. Not counting transgressions, not counting sins against us, as we count no sin against others, and so now we have purpose and meaning. We are the ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal to the world now through you. So my friends, as you leave this place, I exhort you to remember Jesus Christ risen and ascended, standing at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you in the times of deepest sorrow and pain and trial. And in the moments when you forget him, he is there interceding for you and the spirit which is with you, which is indwelling in you and sending you out into the world that not only would people see Jesus, but they would see Jesus through you. And the peace that he has left you. Let's stand and sing one last song to our God and Savior.